you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, kids, to episode 145 of the Great Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are back with uh, another hot, heaping mouthful of Grave Plot goodness. Sure. Steaming. I thought it was going to be more of a pile. I thought that was the direction you were going. (laughs) Well, I was thinking we're uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. It's uh, next week. Is it? Isn't it two weeks? I don't... Is it two weeks? I, I think it's next week. I don't think it is. It's the last Thursday of the month. Yeah, and it's only the seventeenth. What are you doing? I'm trying to open my calendar. Yeah, it's next week. Today's the seventeenth. Oh, this yeah, it's the twentieth, so it's on the twenty-eighth. Today counts as a new week. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, so next week is Thanksgiving, um, and uh, this, so this is technically our Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to stretch the definition. Um, but uh, so there's that. How you doing, Taylor? Doing all right. Yep. What's new? Uh, I don't know. Nothing much. Cool. Yeah. Sound like you're having a good time. I am. Good. Good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We've got the uh, the Great Plot Film Festival coming up, as many people know. Uh, submissions are open through the end of the month. We are working at chipping them down to get them to our judges. Yeah, um, you know we because because October was a fucking nightmare for us, and now we're actually most of the way through November, and I still haven't really started. But um, just getting through all the entries. Luckily, we have well, it's kind of bittersweet. We have fewer entries this week or this year. Um, we had an entry fee this year that we didn't have last year. I think that was had a lot to do with it. Um, but luckily, it's it's a much more manageable number as far as total entries this year. So I also feel like the the quality is higher. Yeah, I mean, these are people that aren't just like basically throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. These are people actually care about their film. Well, I mean, I would say that filmmakers don't care about their films. These are people that have passion and they want to get their films in front of eyes you know, enough to pay for it. Yeah. I don't know how to make that sound the way, (laughs) the way I want it to sound. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, we had, let's see, entries are completely closed now, right? Or are they still open to late entries? They're still open to late entries. I literally just said that. Did you, sorry. (laughs) I only half listened to what you say. Um, but uh, for the most part, the entries are pretty much done. We have a little over 100 films submitted. Um, 
And so, yeah, we're going to be working on those to get those down so we can add, eventually pass them along to our judges. We have a total of six awards. Is that five? Is it five? Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, so we have a tiered judging system. First, you got to pass them through uh, the two of us and then our two other uh, judges, or not judges, but uh, selection committee. And then um, we pass them along to our judges, and we have a total of three? Three judges. Three judges. Um, and they're going to be the ones that ultimately decide uh, who wins. Yep. Um. Do we ever decide if we're going to try and do longer this year? I guess we don't really have enough entries to really justify that, do we? No, we don't. We were going to do longer just because we were going to have a feature. But since we don't have a feature, there's no point. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, uh, Lisa. Thanks for that. (laughs) Anyway. Tickets are on sale right now for those of you who want to attend. $12 bills for us. Yep. You can go to graveplatfilmfest.com to get tickets. It did sell out last year. It's a bigger theater this year, but still, you may want to go get on those. Make sure you get your seat. Yeah, because I mean, we're we have we're holding tickets for the two of us, uh, our significant others, um, and see, uh, so we're holding hold them for judges, right? Yeah, and filmmakers if they want to come. Um, but other than that, all tickets are up for grabs, and we are not saving you any. So if you want to come, you need to go reserve your ticket now. Um, and, you know, the reason we have the larger theater was so we could have day of tickets for people to walk in and buy, because um, we didn't have those last year. And we actually had a, a, a quite a few people come in off the street wanting to uh, watch the festival. It's just like, sorry, we don't have the seats for you. It's like you can stick around and see if people don't show up, and we actually did do that. There was yeah. there are a few people that um, we like took down their numbers, and you know ha- I think it was like halfway through or you know after intermission, if there were people that hadn't shown up, we uh, sold off the extra tickets. Or no, I think we just gave them away because yeah, they were already paid already for. Paid for. Um, but anyway, but I would not count on that. Buy your ticket so you can make sure that you can get in. Uh, that includes our friends. So <laughs> Yeah. Last year, I had had multiple people come up and be like, well, but you still got tickets for me, right? And it's like, this is the first time you've mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want me to hold tickets, maybe, you know, get in contact with me much earlier. Yeah, it's just like, oh, man, I was waiting until I got paid, and now you're sold out. It's like, we have had tickets on sale for months. Yeah. Um, it's like, so you'll get no tears from me. Sorry. <clears throat> anyway. But uh, I'm excited. Uh, our, our Indiegogo did finish up. We didn't quite hit our goal, but we're going to work with what we have um, and put on a good show for you guys. The show must go on. Um, anyway, speaking, speaking of Indiegogo, yeah. So we did have our contributor. Uh, our we did have contributors uh, that we want to uh, give a special thanks to. Um, first, we want to start with our sponsors, uh, without a cause, who is back for the second year sponsoring the show. Uh, and also Hourglass Escapes, uh, which is a Seattle-based uh, escape room company. Um, they have the only officially licensed Evil Dead 2 escape room um, in the world. Yep. Uh, and we both uh, we did it, and we did a review of it on our, our, on our website, so you can go check that out. Um, and uh, it's really fucking killer, and their other rooms are great, too. I'm actually going to go do another one here 
in a, in a couple weeks. <clears throat> um, but really great people. It's a really great uh, atmosphere. And um, yeah. But so we're happy to have them on board as sponsors along with those people or other contributors. Lance. That way, before you go, go into that. Sorry. Um, you, you like breezed right over without a cause. Oh, sorry, Just without a cause, yes. Um, you know, uh, independent wrestling out of Everett, Washington. Uh, it's been going for just over a year now. Yours truly is the ring announcer, so I have a little bit of stake in it. But uh, I can tell you, it's it's a great time if you're even if you're not into indie wrestling. Uh, you know, my mom has gone. She's coming again this month. She has no idea what she's watching, but she loves it. She has a great time. My grandma's coming, which is going to be very strange, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, WACProWrestling.com. You can check them out. They got a show coming up on November 30th called Daddy's Home. Yeah, and of course, the head honcho uh, behind all of it is our, our buddy Max Zaleski. So, but yeah, we've got uh, we got family in the game, too. That's true. Um, yeah, so uh, along with our sponsors, we also have our Indiegogo contributors that we're, we want to uh, give a shout out to and, and thanks to uh, Lance Dale, Chris Rocks. Don Edwards, Amber and Bob Valentine, Tamara Crook, and or sorry, Eric Covington, poor man's Ric Flair, Jason Buffer, and George Bunley. Bunley. <laughs> Taylor told me to say that. Bunley. <clears throat> um, so thank you very much. Uh, you know, you you guys uh really kind of saved the ship. Um you know, we 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 had some we we des- by design we had money for just like the bare necessities to run the show but we would not be able to kind of give you like the full experience without help from these guys on Indiegogo so we really thankful um and uh very appreciative and you know you guys is, we're going to be working on getting all the perks ready um to send out here in the next probably month or so right probably less less hopefully okay um and uh, so be keeping an eye out on your um, mailbox for those. Yep. Cool. And of course, the in uh, the Great Platte Film Festival is February 1st of 2020. Yep. At Arc Lodge Cinemas in Seattle. So, uh, and you can go to our, you can go to graveplatfilmfest.com or graveplatpodcast.com. There's a link there too, somewhere. Yep. <clears throat> cool. So, while we're thanking people, <laughs> we also have people that give us money every month, our grave diggers over on Patreon, and they really help keep the, 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 the day-to-day, so to speak, going. Um, we don't have an expensive show here, but we do have to spend money on some things. And the people that give us those hard-earned dollars are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges. Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, guys, for your contributions. They mean a lot, and they really do help us keep doing this uh, every couple weeks. Uh, Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. You can get exclusive content for as little as $1 a month, up to $100, which will get you a tattoo of a fat unicorn right on my ass. Yeah, then he's going to like... No, stop adding things. (laughs) I'm not going to do whatever else it is you're adding. I don't know why. The $100 is only going to cover the tattoo. You can't just keep adding things. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to You're not doing any part of this. (laughs) 
Uh, if you want to start volunteering your ass for stuff, then that's fine. I don't want a tattoo on my ass. Well, then crazy? shut up. <laughs> I was gracious enough to be to drunkenly say that I would do this. Were you drunk? We, yeah, we were drinking. Uh, we were drinking Zimas. <laughs> oh, you were Zima drunk. It was Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And Carlos was here, and he talks me into things. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, anything else you want to chat about? No. Okay, that's neat. I have no more ado. No more doo doo. No more doo doo. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On to horror business. All right, starting out with some real-world horror. Uh, you know, doorbell cameras are becoming more and more popular because people are unscrupulous and will just fucking steal shit right off of your doorstep. And what a fucking pile of shit that is. Like, you remember when you could have deliveries sent to your house and, like, people wouldn't steal them? Yeah. The, you know, the good old days? <laughs> um. And, you know, it's also there's just because people are becoming less and less social. <laughs> you know, you don't want to get up and answer the door if it's some asshole uh, trying to sell their product and or religion. So soul soliciting pig fuckers. <laughs> so you want to sit from the comfort of your couch and see who's standing at your door and decide if you want to tell, you know, just not answer the door or, or what. Um, but sometimes... Sometimes they catch terrifying fucking things happening. Like people with TVs on their heads. Right. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> How could you forget about fucking TV head? I, I don't know. I'm fucking up, apparently. Uh, what is this thing? It's some kind of like you get it wet and it turns into a sponge or something. It's uh, spoopy. Well, it is spoopy. Anyway. <laughs> um. Well... Uh, a doorbell camera video taken at about 11.20 p.m. on Tuesday night. I assume that's last Tuesday. That's a Tuesday. That's some Tuesday in recent time. Next Tuesday. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, a woman was screaming, somebody help me, somebody help me please. Seconds later, a car sped by the house with its trunk open. Uh, witnesses in the area said they saw what was this, what they described as a four-door white Prius with a female passenger in the in uh, sorry a female in the passenger seat and the suspect a male in the driver's seat. A witness told was told sorry witness told police that the women woman was screaming. The suspect was pulling her hair backward. Uh, the same witness said that there was plastic covering the passenger side window, and the person driving the car was heard shouting. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, according to police. So this prob- this may have just straight caught a catnip. Catnipping. <laughs> Fuck. Catnipping. I don't know what's going on. Kidnapping in process, um, which is just fucking horrifying. Like, the accounts of this are weird. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, plant any seeds or say anybody was lying or anything, but... 
So this person, this driver, was apparently pulling this woman's hair backwards as she ran away while also saying, I'm sorry? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on. I think I guess without being there, you couldn't really get the whole story. Yeah. And if there was plastic over the passenger seat, how do they know who was sitting there? I don't know. And why wouldn't the person in the passenger seat also be a suspect? Yeah, it's... I mean, I technically, I guess they would all be. I would think. But, I mean, what happened to this woman that was screaming? Did they find her? Did they, uh, like, rescue her? Did she get put back in the trunk? Like, what? Yeah. I, this is an incomplete story here. Maybe it could have been some, like, some kind of fucked up prank, but I, I don't know. That's fucking nerve-wracking. Where did this happen? L.A. L.A. In uh, Limert Park. Limert Park. Not familiar with that. Um. Last night, man. So I have a a, a, a ring brand floodlight in my backyard. Um. And, you know, kind of with that comes the app and you sign up for a, a, a ring account so you can kind of link everything up. And it comes with like this like kind of community watch feature where just basically everybody in your kind of general vicinity will post, you know, videos from their doorbells or, you know, from, you know, from their security cameras around their home um, and just communicate with like about things that are, you know, it's like, oh, I think I heard gunshots. Does anybody know what that's about? That's the most common one. But every time the Seahawks win, somebody launches off fucking mortars. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. But every time that happens, it's just like, somebody hearing gunshots? It wasn't a fucking gunshot. It happens every fucking Sunday. <laughs> um, but last night, somebody posted this uh, alert. It was from their doorbell camera. And... It was a video of these two guys. They get out of a car. One of them kind of like walks across, like walks down the sidewalk in front of in front of their yard. The other one comes up to the door and stands right in front of the, basically right in front of the doorbell. But they're carrying fucking Mac tens. What the fuck? Yeah. Like I don't know what the fuck that was about. And the person's just like, these people are carrying guns, and they just came to my door. Somebody please help me. And like pretty much everybody comments just like. Call the police. Yeah, no shit. Like, don't fucking po- post this on a fucking security uh, uh, community Forum. watch app. Um, but I I just tried to pull it up, but it looks like the video has been taken down, so it might be it may have been turned over as evidence or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's scary what these things will catch, and especially when shit like that happens. Uh, it's like what 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 could this these people possibly be doing? With guns at yeah. your door. <laughs> um. Anyway. So. Yeah, I don't. Know. The the story seems incomplete. Like there, it's sounds because it sounds like all that was caught on the doorbell was audio of the woman screaming, and so then it was just a witness report saying that she saw her hair being pulled back. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what I'm getting from this. Is just like they didn't. The camera didn't actually see anything. Just picked up audio. But I can't tell, like, was the woman actually kidnapped or was 
did she get away? That that's what I don't know. Let's see. There's a black woman or girl with dark braided hair that was in front passenger seat while the driver was described as a black man. One witness saw the victim's hair being pulled back while she screamed and there was plastic wrap on the front door. Yeah, that's weird. That's especially because nobody seems to like have any idea who it may have been. Yeah. And like if she did get away, where did she go? Yeah. It doesn't seem like she went to anybody's house to get let in or anything. So I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Like I don't know. It's like you almost think maybe it was like some kind of really fucked up prank, but it doesn't seem that way. Well, yeah, I mean, if we hear more about it, maybe I guess we'll let you know. But this is just kind of up in the air right now. I mean, if you have any information, then by all means, call the LAPD. Yeah, don't tell us. Yeah, don't. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's been speculated for months, but apparently we finally have confirmation from Dan Aykroyd himself Oh, good. that Bill Murray will be in the new Ghostbusters. Yay. According to Aykroyd, Jason Reitman wrote a beautiful, heartfelt script that takes the DNA from the first two movies and hands the legacy off to a new generation of stars and characters. This was uh, on an appearance on the Greg Hill Show. He said, we've shot our part, myself, Murray, Sigourney, and Annie Potts. It was really exciting working on this new idea. So it seems to confirm Annie Potts, too. I don't think we ever got confirmation on her, did we? I don't recall. But uh, but he says Murray's part is done, so. I guess, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really say how long they were working on it, but the fact that they're done already with their parts, it's like they must not have a very prominent role. Yeah, I mean, he does say it's, you know, a passing of the torch kind of thing, hands the legacy off to a new generation. Right. Which is what, you know, they should have done before making the remake. Yeah. Whatever the hell that movie was. The movie that couldn't decide if it was part of the canon or not. Well, it seemed like they wanted it to be at first, and then they're just like, oh, no, let's do something different. It seemed like when they made the movie, they were like, no, this isn't canon. And the marketing department was like, oh, I didn't get that memo. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Aykroyd also says it's going to be scary, it's going to be thought-provoking, it's going to be heartfelt. We'll recognize Harold Ramis in this film in some way. I don't know if I trust them to do that tactfully. What does that even mean? I don't know. Just no holograms, no CGI, please. <laughs> like, no ghost Harold, no no ghost uh, uh, Egon. <laughs> Oh, man, so I saw uh, Terminator Dark Fate uh, last weekend, <clears throat> and um, it starts out um, basically like kind of a year after uh, Judgment Day should have happened, because, you know, it, it disavows everything after Terminator 2. So it, it's basically, this is like the third movie. Okay. Um, but... Uh, there's a scene, and it takes place, it, the scene takes place in, like, 998 or something like that, and it's 
Linda Hamilton and they de-aged her because that's like kind of all the rage nowadays. But then they also did like a, I don't know if they had like a child actor and they just did over his face or what, but they basically made this kid look like Edward Furlong and it was (laughs) fucking weird. And then they did the same thing with Schwarzenegger. Like, I, I, I mean, they had like this big buff guy. He didn't really have the same kind of body shape as Schwarzenegger used to. He was a little too buff in certain places. But, um, you know, big buff guy with Schwarzenegger's face. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't, for anybody that hasn't seen it, I don't want to give away a lot. But, yeah, just the, the CGI was amazing. So they basically just deep faked it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but it's like, at, at first, I thought, like, maybe these were, like, unused scenes from Terminator 2 or something. Mm. Because, yeah, it was just Edward Furlong there as a child again. <laughs> <clears throat> Before all the fucking drugs and booze. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, back to Ghostbusters. I, I, sorry, my point behind that was like, I hope they don't really, I hope they don't do that with Harold, Harold Ramis. Yeah. I think he's not be, there to sign off on it. Like, it would be disrespectful. Yeah. I think. I agree. Uh, the new film centers on a family that moves back to a small town where they learn about who they are. That is the most vague synopsis I've ever heard. In my life. (laughs) And that's like, that doesn't sound anything like the movie we've been led to believe is going on so far. Ghostbusters took place in Manhattan. Yeah. Not a small town. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that that was going to be the case, that this is going to be like some kind of small farming town, because obviously the Ecto-1 is in a barn somewhere. In a barn. But, you know, it could still be like upstate New York somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've said exactly where it's taking place yet. They've said very little. Yeah. Which is good because, you know, this day and age, they give so much away about movies before they're even, before they're even done filming, let alone like with trailers and stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, it's Sony, so they're bound to fuck that up anyway. But, <laughs> um, yeah, but like that, that, little synopsis there that doesn't sound anything like the movie that they've shown from like teasers and and you know other little tidbits from the media yeah behind the scenes and stuff uh the confirmed cast also includes paul rudd finn wolfhard mckenna grace and uh carrie coon oliver cooper celeste o'connor and logan kim there you go there there it is i don't know most of those people i know two of those people yep uh, Ghostbusters will return to theaters on July 10th, 2020. It's an odd way of phrasing that. I would say Ghostbusters 3 comes to the out, comes to theaters. Or Ghostbusters 2020 or whatever it is they're calling it. Have they been flip-flopping? I, I keep seeing it referred to as Ghostbusters 2020. Oh. I think that's the first I'm hearing of it. It's not because we've talked about it on the show. But Is it? Yeah. <laughs> or have we? Both. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't remember. <clears throat> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah. Boy, howdy. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would probably agree with you like if I'd ever done it, but I, I hear it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> you know I make you wanna scream. You know I make you wanna run from me, baby, but no it's too late. You wasted all your time. Yeah. Relax while you're closing your eyes. 
can't remember if we've actually talked about this before or not, or if this is brand new. Have we? I don't think so. Okay. <clears throat> well, you know, everybody loves to just uh, reboot all these dead franchises, or at least franchises that we thought slash hoped were dead. Uh, this entire episode is about reboots. Yes. Minus the reviews. But like All of our business is about reboots. I'm so excited to talk about all of those. <laughs> Spyglass Media Group is currently developing the next Scream movie ah. based on the franchise created by Wes Craven and writer Kevin Williamson. Uh, I mean, side note, think I don't know if it's still MTV or what, but I think they're trying to reboot the, uh, the Scream TV show or already have or something. I don't know. Sweet. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? It's an exciting time to be alive, Taylor. It's like, hey, this franchise, this uh, this TV show tanked after two seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just reboot it. Yeah. Didn't, um, we, didn't we reboot it for season two? Yeah, we'll just reboot it again. <laughs> People don't care. People love reboots. They love reboots. They're, they're, they're great. It's like gives it a, a, a fresh perspective on something we are already sick of. Um, we bring it into modern times. Because <laughs> that makes a fucking difference. Two years later, fucking modern time. <laughs> Uh, it's like, oh, well, people have cell phones now. You know cell phones. <laughs> They're spooky. Haven't you seen one missed call? <laughs> no. <laughs> no one saw Nobody that. Nobody saw movie. that. <laughs> ah, how so, so how could un- your cell untapped. phone kill you? <laughs> it's an just, untapped market. Just take the battery out. We win. <laughs> uh, Spyglass Media Group was relaunched. Also, it's a re... It's a reboot. reboot. He rebooted a fucking company. (laughs) What the fuck? As a content company, so they don't even actually make anything. Well, wait, what? What does that even mean? Content company. They make content, but what they they don't. I I don't understand what that even (laughs) is supposed to mean. Why would you say that? Why don't you just say they're like a studio or something? It's a content company, or sorry, it was relaunched as a content company in March by former MGM topper Barber Lantern Entertainment co-presidents Andy Mitchell and Milos Brozovic. Brozovic? Something. Uh, And strategic investors Eagle Pictures and Cineworld Group. So a, a content company is a platform in which consumers have direct access to whatever information produ- producers wish to post. What? <laughs> I don't understand this. I don't either. And, and uh, What does that have to do with making movies? Yeah. It's like, I don't understand this, and what's more is I don't understand why I should give a fuck. <laughs> Um, Lantern Entertainment is the company that acquired all of Dimension Films' um, assets after the allegations against Harvey Weinstein put the company in bankruptcy. Um, so that's how Spyglass got the rights. Mm. Who who owns Halloween now? Is it Universal? Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Spyglass is also rebooting Hellraiser. Which was another Miramax property. So that's neat. That that we've talked about on the show before, right? Yeah, I expressed my disappointment that they, you know, they made uh, Judgment, which was actually not too bad. It was kind of a return to form for Hellraiser, I think. 
um, you know, as far as the West, not West Craven, um, Clive Barker image of it. Uh, and yeah, it's just like, well, no, we're going to do our own thing. Sorry. Um, but, you know, they made Scream 4, which was, despite what people said, it was not good. <laughs> people were like, oh, it's a kind of a return to form. It's the first good uh, Scream movie since the original. It's like, I don't think it is. <laughs> um, but it's like, now they're making another one? Uh, it's unclear if the next film is going to continue to be canonized with Craven's universe or if it's going to be a remake. But Kevin Williamson is apparently not writing the screenplay, so that kind of sends a certain message. You're not wanted here. <laughs> Get out of here, old timer. <laughs> this is present day. <laughs> People have cell phones now. <laughs> And the internet. Get with the modern times. People have Wi-Fi. <laughs> no more Wi-Fi. What? This is 40. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're hyped for Scream 5. That's what I'm getting from this. Um, yeah, totally. They're probably going to call it like Scream, but like the, like the E will be a 5. Terrible. <laughs> don't, don't give them ideas. That's what they did with Scream 4. Was? It was S-C-R-E-4-M. Screform. Oh, they changed the A into a 4? Yeah. That's dumb. It is dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Dear Studios, don't do that. Because when you do that, I'm going to say it phonetically. So I'm going to say Screform. Also, I'm just not going to see it because... I feel like you are. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you're like uh, m- trying to make me feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> me no think dumb. <laughs> you dumb. Well, just like not not make trying to make me feel dumb. I think like, trying to make me dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. They have it. I feel like they have it in their heads that I, as a person. Uh, is know, dumb of free free thought and you know a decent education is a I am a dumb person <laughs> and I'll tell you despite what people may think <laughs> I, I am are. not dumb <laughs> thank you Taylor <laughs> anyway so basically what I'm saying is Spyglass can go get fucked <laughs> I just moved in my new house today Hard, but I got squared away. Bell started ringing and changed right loud. I knew I'd moved in a haunted house. So, another franchise that's getting rebooted. Uh, Paramount chairman and CEO Jim Giannopoulos made waves at Cine Europe in oh, Barcelona. Made, made waves. Made waves when he announced that. They are currently working on a seventh paranormal activity movie. Was it a wave of groans? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, now we have to sit through this half hour presentation about a fucking shitty sequel. Where are my golf clubs? <laughs> 
Uh, Paramount is collaborating with Blumhouse to revive the Supernatural franchise. Uh, actually, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, Blumhouse made the first ones, right? The first six. Was it? They made the, the first one, at least. Okay, I guess that's I guess it's like true. one of their first movies, I think. Was it before they were actually Blumhouse? I don't know. I feel like it was maybe just like Jason Blum. Tommy Blum. Uh either way. The project is currently in development. As yet there is no title and details are being kept under wraps. It's probably because there is no story. <laughs> or the story's very dumb. Right. It's probably like, hey, there's a ghost in this house, and there are security cameras. I Go. mean, <laughs> that would be taking it back to form instead of including witches and ghost dimensions. Right. I feel like there was one that I didn't see. So maybe I'm a little behind on the times here. Get with I... the modern times, Tony. <laughs> cell phones, man. Welcome to present day. Fucking weird, right? Yeah, why hasn't there been a paranormal activity shot on cell phones yet? I don't know. Maybe that's what's coming. Probably. Maybe. Ghost phone, it's you called. Know, people, have, people have iPhones now. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, Androids, and they've, and they've got cameras. Yep, they can film things. They can film entire fucking movies on iPhones for, like, pennies. It's going to be called Paranormal Activity iGhost. <laughs> and it's going to be very spooky. No, don't do that. <laughs> Like, go back to the way it was in the first couple movies. And then, you know, when you started getting into the whole witch coven thing, and then you were like, oh, people don't like that? Okay, here's a ghost dimension. People were like, what the fuck is a ghost dimension? It's... See, the problem is, is like the first paranormal activity had the same kind of uh, thing going for it that Blair Witch did. Um, you know, or Blair Witch Project, I should say. Where it's like... Is this new thing? Well, for, new at the time for Blair Witch, it was new. Or it's just like, whoa, what the fuck did I just watch? Was that real? And Paranormal Activity had a similar thing going for it in that the whole found footage thing hadn't really taken off yet, right? Um, and so yeah, Paranormal Activity, the first one, had that going for it. And then over time, it's just like, okay, well now we know that these are actors. This was all fake. Nothing was real, and still it had the merit. Of it. And then they did Parallel Activity 2, and you know, still kind of riding on the coattails of the entertainment value of the first one. Mm -hmm. And everything after that has just been a slow, well, not even really slow, a, a degradation from the first one up to the very last movie, which may have been the one I haven't seen. So I can't speak as an authority on that, but. Each movie that I've seen has been progressively worse than the one before it. I mean, part six was kind of a reboot in itself and that it didn't focus on Katie and uh, Mika. Yes. It like I, I don't know if they were involved at all in it. It was like this new story with this new family and this camera that they found at a, or that they got at a garage sale. It was probably Katie and Mika's camera, actually. But it like had superpowers and opened a ghost dimension or some such bullshit that was so fucking stupid. It's like that's not what the franchise was. Yeah, it was spooky things going on in someone's house. It wasn't a fucking ghost dimension. Well, it's just like you, you know, turned it into. You tried to make Ghostbusters into a serious movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of. This really branches out into the 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 
movie industry as a whole and how pathetic it's gone or gotten. It's just that these studios are there's like they won't make a movie that doesn't have franchise potential. No, anymore. they won't take risks. Um, it's like they they just they won't make a a one off movie anymore because they can only do they can only make so much money off of it, and if it tanks at the theater, then they you know then they'll have to release it on. Um, uh, home media and hope they make their their bones back on it, and then after that it's done. They can't keep making money off of the same idea, <clears throat> and that's so that's why they keep every time they try to start a franchise, it's desperate and it's pathetic. And you know, people, sh- you know, I, th- I people in general, I feel are very underestimated by the film industry because or I should say studios because they think they're a lot dumber than they actually mm-hmm. are. It's like and if even if people don't realize it like at the front of their mind front of their minds that it's like oh this movie sucks. It's like th- there's something in them that's telling them that this is garbage. It's like and then they put out a sequel and it tanks. And so that's when all these studios go back to the well and try and make a uh, another shitty sequel off of a successful franchise. And that's 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 where this comes from. I mean, paranormal activity wasn't supposed to happen. Like paranormal activity was a very low budget independent film made by Oren Pelly mm-hmm. that got a buzz around it because, like you said, it had this aura of like, is this real? Is this something that right? You know, is this actual footage? And so it got this buzz, and then people started requesting it in theaters, and it made a lot of money in theaters because it only cost you know ten thousand dollars to make the damn thing. And, you know, Blumhouse or whatever studio, Paramount, went, oh, here's a thing I can make money off of. Mm-hmm. And so they picked it up, they purchased it, and now they're making all these sequels. It's like you you are completely missing the point of what made the first one good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like when you were done watching the first one the first time, it's like you're kind of one left wondering. It's like, oh, fuck, what happened to them? But it's like, I don't think you were necessarily saying, hey, let's see another movie so we can see what <laughs> happened to them. And, oh, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so tired of this. <laughs> and like you said, studios, they won't, they won't take a risk on something new because they don't see, they don't even care how good a movie is. All they care about is, can I sell this? Right. And, you know, that's why, you know, I think us as just film fans in in general um, and, you know, as podcasters, people who review movies um, and, you know, also people who are are, uh, passionate about the film industry and film community. It's like that's why we've taken so well to uh, independent filmmakers, you know, know, are interested in their films have made friends from independent filmmakers, but and and that's great. Like the independent film franchise or industry, I think is what is ultimately saving not only f- horror as a genre, but the industry as a whole. Um, because studio films are, you know, fifty percent, fifty to sixty percent of the time, just absolute garbage, just pat. Um, and so 
the independent film industry is great and like I admire it and I encourage it, but the issue with it is that it's so much less accessible than studio films. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, it's like yeah, you can get them on VOD VOD uh uh sources, um, but not all the time. Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. How you know we'll see a trailer for something and it'll be like, Oh, that looks awesome. Where can I see it? Nobody knows. Yeah. It's like, you know, even if you make a film, it doesn't necessarily mean you can put it out because you can't afford distribution. Yeah. It's like, you know, you scratch money together to make a film, spend every cent you have, max out your credit cards, um, and then, you know, it's like, okay, now what do I do with it? It's like, okay, well, you need distribution because that's going to cost you easily as much as it did to make the film in the first place. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, that's when, you know, like... uh, like Silas and Bry, you know, they went to AFM to try and uh, get distribution for They Reach. <clears throat> it sounded like they actually had a pretty uh, successful, like, I don't know the specifics. I don't, I don't think they've really told many Mm-mm. people, but um, it sounded like they had a pretty uh, successful, isn't the word I want to use, but um, fruitful. Fruitful, thank you. Um, time there. Uh, but it's like not all, everybody has that, you know, the ability to go to, go there. They don't really necessarily have the success to do that, which just uh, continues to allow these shitty studio sequels with zero imagination and minimal money put into it uh, to just keep you know ch- churning out these these uh, franchises. That nobody really cares about anymore, and you know, as you know, I said earlier that people are smarter than studios give them credit for. That may be true, but people, by and large, are still sheep. So it's yeah. just like, hey, that's something I'm familiar with. I'm gonna go pay the money to see it. Yeah, and it's like the thing about it is just like you know, even if you if you if you pay your money to go see a movie. And then you come home and you write a, a blog post or do a podcast or whatever about it and say it was complete shit and give it a bad review and you know fuck up its rating on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. It doesn't matter. It, they don't care because they already have your money. Yeah. And you know what? You know how they gauge success? Money. Yep. It's like it's not due to reviews. It's not due to you know public opinion. It's sheerly dollar signs. And if that money made its money back plus some, they'll fucking do it again. And I mean, you know, opposite side of the coin, a movie that can have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for the past four years, if it didn't do well at the box office, it's not getting a sequel. Yeah. It may not even get home to, home uh, distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can kind of briefly talk on that while we when we talk about Dr. Sleep here in a minute um, or later on. Uh, not quite the same situation, but some parallels there. It's just, uh, it's stupid. It's, it's infuriating that a fucking garbage franchise like Paramount, Paranormal Activity can continue. <laughs> Paramount Activity. <laughs> you should just start calling it that. <laughs> um, and just to see how many uh, independent films who, that are done, they're in the can and ready for people to watch them can't get out can't get out there because nobody's interested because maybe it doesn't have franchise potential yeah 
So it's, and I mean, you know, just to toot our own horn a little bit, that's part of the reason why we started the Grave Plot Film Fest. You know, yeah, we don't have any kind of cloud or cachet or anything, but if we can get some well-made independent horror, at least short films in front of a theater of 200 people, mm-hmm. maybe they'll go out and they'll tell somebody and they'll tell somebody and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and, and so on. You know, next thing you know, you know, Joe Bob from Enumclaw, Washington that made some stupid little horror movie. No. Everyone's clamoring for him now. No, Taylor. <laughs> it's an example. <clears throat> Nobody from Enumclaw does anything important. <laughs> Burn. He's talking about Silas. <laughs> Silas. I forgot he was from Enumclaw. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that kind of went off on a... Yeah, that was quite the tangent. Tangent rant thing, but I made my point, I think. Yeah. Uh, Paranormal Activity 7 will be out March 19th, 2021. What's the, the fuck's taking so long? These things, you can film these things in a weekend. I don't know. I, 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 doubt, I doubt that they have a story or a script. True. But just like, you know what? We're going to put it out in 2021. They've got an idea and some money. Yep. So, if seven movies wasn't enough for you, and if an eighth slash reboot movie wasn't enough for you, on top of that, Saw TV is coming, guys. Oh, good. Maybe. Could be. It's going to be called Saw TV. Maybe. (laughs) Um... According to the website, we got this covered. Um, a Saw TV series is in the early stages of active development. Uh, there aren't a lot of details uh, available right now, but the rumored project is going to be connected to the, the uh, horror franchise. <clears throat> it's currently unclear how the, both the TV series and movies will interrelate to it with another, with one another. Is it really important, though? I mean. The, 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 like at this point, the movies don't really interrelate with each other. No, it's it's another thing where it's just like, okay, Jigsaw's been dead for how fucking long, and they're still cranking out movies, so yep. it doesn't matter. None of this matters. Um, you know, we we make the joke every time we talk about Saw, but you know, by like the fourth movie, it was just like trap, 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 and it's Philip, the pizza delivery boy from right. earlier. And people are go, who the fuck? What? Philip? I don't Oh, okay. It's a twist. I get it. Yeah. It's like little did you know that this guy was one of Jigsaw's proteges that came out of the woodwork. But he was there the whole time. Dun 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 dun. Just fucking unimaginative <laughs> bullshit. It's like the 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 highest degree of imagination that goes into them those movies nowadays is into the traps. Yep. And it's seriously, it's like, how much work does that really take? It's like, just get some fucking sick bastard that's like really into uh, like bondage and shit. And um, sorry, I kink shame. I don't really care. Um, But uh, just like, 
you know, pe- people that like make puzzles for a living or, um, you know. How about haunt actors? Sure. Or like, you know, people that do, uh, like, made erector sets as kids. Something. Fuck. It's like, you just get those people and it's just like, okay, well, this trap could, like, do this thing. And then that's the entire fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's no fucking story. These things have been completely devoid of story since, like, the second movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, studio has yet to decide on a streaming network for the upcoming show. So they're not even going to try for cable. No. Why would they? Um, I'm amazed Lionsgate doesn't have their own streaming network at this point. You'd, you'd think they would. They have so much content. Yeah. They, they fucking buy everything. Yeah. Well, they used to. Not so much nowadays, but they used to be the place. Or Didn't they like, get bought out? Did they? I think they might have gotten bought out by like Legendary or somebody. I don't know. Which would explain why they were suddenly actually interested in what they were buying. <laughs> Instead of just <laughs> handing out checks. I mean, that worked. That was like a, I mean, it was a, kind of a crapshoot. I mean, sometimes you got some shit, but sometimes you got some gems in there. That just like probably wouldn't have gotten distribution or you know made otherwise. Like the first saw. Yeah. Or trick or treat. Was that Lionsgate? Pretty sure. No, that was legendary. Was it legend? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I get them confused sometimes. They both have L's and G's. It's a whole thing. E's and... <laughs> Anyway. Um But, you know, just in case you were still interested. And if you forgot that this was a thing. I kind of did. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Chris Rock's Saw reboot is still coming to theaters on May 15th, 2020. So, you know. Mark, Just a reminder. Mark your calendars, guys. When we say Chris Rock Saw, we mean he wrote the damn thing. Did he write it? He, it's a, it, was ba- it was screenplay by two other people based on a story by him. Oh, Jesus. It also stars Samuel L. Jackson because, of course, it does. Naturally. <laughs> There's this, uh, I think I've probably said this before, but there's this magician I watch on um, on YouTube. YouTube. Thank you. Um, and, you know, he, he's a magician by trade. He, he, you know, like do shows and travel around and, and perform. But kind of what's made him really successful on YouTube is he does these puzzle videos. Like he just sits there and like it's kind of a top-down look and I'm just solving these puzzles. Not like jigsaw puzzles or anything like that, but he's actual like, you know. So it's not a tie-in, huh? It's not a tie-in. I don't. I don't really know. I don't know if he was there as like maybe a consultant. Oh, or... I mean, because you said it's not jigsaw. Just oh, jigsaw saw. It's no, it's a thing. But I, I don't know if he was there as like maybe a consultant, uh, like as far as like puzzles or like you know giving them ideas on on things like you know sequential sequence or your sequences to solve or or whatever, or if he's actually in the movie maybe. I really don't know. But I know he made, uh, you know, Daryl Lynn Bousman is um, producing it or directing it, right? Lee Wanell is directing it. Are you sure? No. <laughs> I could have sworn Darren Lynn Bousman was directing it. Lee Wanell is directing something else, some other re- reboot of something. <laughs> well, well, regardless. Um, oh, Lee Wanell directed The Invisible Man. Mm. Did you get a trailer for that? Yeah. It doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. It looks really fucking boring. It looks like more like a reboot of Hollow Man than the Invisible Man. Yeah. Like, I don't think they've seen the Invisible Man. I think they just... They're doing what Blumhouse does, 
and just taking titles and making new movies. Yeah. Like Black Christmas, which has almost nothing to do with the original. Yeah. And it's like the reboot or the the remake was not good like in any way shape or form. But um, it was still Black Christmas. It was still Black Christmas. Uh Actually, and it was still rated R, god damn it. It was. The remake? Yeah. I'm almost certain it was. I could have sworn it was PG-13, but I, I could be wrong. New one's PG-13. You know, I said it was dog shit, but I actually kind of remember it being better than the original. And I know that might be blasphemy for some people, but you can kiss my ass. Why is the only thing that comes up the original and the new one? <laughs> Nobody cares. 2006, there we go. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, R-rated. Well, all right. Um, yeah, I, I remember it being better because it seemed like there was more, like, blood and guts and... I don't know. I'm not a big fan of, like, the killer just is there and, like, you don't really know who he is or why. Like, you know, like the original Halloween. It's like people love the fact that Michael Myers, he just kills nobody really knows why and that always bugs me so the the remake of black christmas there's kind of like a, a reasoning behind why the guy was out of his mind um but aside from that it wasn't very good <clears throat> anyway just had a lot of really hot girls in it it did have a lot of hot girls in it you know all those girls that were really popular in the early 2000s anyway yeah like what's her name from pete and pete Who? Michelle Trachtenberg. That's oh, you into her? Nah. I mean, I guess I could not kinda... not into her. <laughs> she could get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So saw that's a thing that's happening to us. Maybe. Well, the movie's coming out. One that, that's a thing. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. So, speaking of TV and of reboots, uh, Ryan Murphy, who also says that American Horror Story could go 20 seasons, uh, brought up... I'm pretty sure I just heard recently, he's like, uh, maybe maybe season 10 will be the last one. Yeah, he, he said season 10 is the last one they're contracted through, but he wants to keep going. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah, and he said if Fox... Fox no, FX. If FX doesn't want to, he's, he's going to call Netflix. Okay. Uh, but he also brought up the idea of a possible return of Scream Queens. Uh, this, of course, for those of you who don't know, was a series that lasted two seasons between 2015 and 2016. It was a slasher comedy uh, on Fox. It had Ariana Grande in it, as well as uh, Abigail Breslin and Emma Roberts. Billy Piper. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan Murphy... When speaking to Deadline, he said that the ball is entirely in Fox's court because he and the entire cast is up for bringing it back. Uh, he said, I would have to say that the answer to that lies in the studio who made it. 
Emma said she would do it. Leah Michelle said she would do it. Jamie Lee Curtis, Abigail Breslin, Billy Lord are all in. Billy Lord, not Billy Piper. Who the fuck's Billy Piper? I don't know who Billy Piper is. I know that's a name. That's that's a name of a person. That's, I'm probably somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so it would depend if Fox wants to do it. I think we'd all do it. I think we're waiting for them to call us, which is always a good you know business practice. Sure. Yeah. To just sit and wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's how things happen. Uh, Murphy continued, I know the show is very popular and had a real spike in popularity on Hulu. There was another one when we were making it. I don't know if time has caught up to it or it takes a while for people to get things, but yes, I'd be up for it. What does it mean there was another one when we were making it? What does that mean? I'm not sure what that means. Um, the fans should write Fox and say they want this. Fox Studios and the network. Hmm. So I guess if you want more Scream Queens, then write Fox. And what, well, does, what does that mean, write Fox? I, Nobody writes anything to anyone anymore. I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter. Yeah, and, and send it Fox, Hollywood, California, <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> Santa Claus, North Pole. Yeah, right? Like, um, I'm thinking, uh, no. <laughs> I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I think I enjoyed that show for about three episodes before it just got tedious. It's it's like a Ryan Murphy show. <laughs> the last one I watched was the one where Ariana Grande got killed. And it wasn't because I was like, well, that's all I wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like the last one I watched. And it just never really was something I was like, oh, shit, I got to catch Scream Queens tonight. Right. And I think that was the thing. Was, I don't remember what night it was on, but it seemed like it was like there were other things I could watch. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that instead. I think you were right. Yeah, I think there was something that like it was airing opposite that I would rather watch. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, so I could see it getting a revival on Hulu when it's not opposite anything, and people can watch it their own sure leisure. That's the thing about streaming; it's not really a good representation of its popularity because people will just sit and binge watch things. Yeah, it's like it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Man, yesterday something popped up. I don't know what it was. I was just like, you know, I know it's a meme, but kind of want to burn through the office again. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I was um watching I was rewatching Buffy and Angel. Like I was bouncing back and forth so I could like keep it chronological. Um and I was doing that for a while and I think I stopped when we went on vacation and I haven't really gotten back into it. But what I did do was burn through Letter Kenny again. Um and it's just like I got to the end of season seven. It's like I could do that again. <laughs> you need to win it? <laughs> I can need it to win it. I'd have a beer. I'd have eight beers. <laughs> this big cat. <laughs> anyway. Um, Serious with that fucking turtleneck? Well, you lose a lot of heat in the neck. You know, try it on. <laughs> Looks cozy. And now Disney Plus is here, so I'm just going to start watching old Darkwing Duck. Fucking A. Fucking tailspins on there. I'm gonna watch old and new Ducktales. There you go. And Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Um, what else? Fuck. Um, yeah, tailspins on there. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Gummy uh, bears. Fucking gummy bears. Um, you know, you know they're fucking up not having fucking uh, Adventures in Wonderland and Welcome to Pooh Coner and 
all those other shows that like when Disney Channel was a premium channel that you got free previews for for like 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 once or twice a year. And it's just like, oh man, I gotta watch all these shows while I still can. Plus all the movies that are on there. Fucking A. Fucking Flight of the Navigator. Is it on there? Yeah. Fuck. Oh my god. I feel like that movie is not as good as I remember it, but uh, like I'm gonna watch it anyway. Like just cycling through everything made me realize how different me and my girlfriend's childhoods were. Oh, has she not seen it? No, she had no idea what it was. Fuck. That's weird. Yeah, she's like, High School Musical, Lizzie McGuire. Oh, Christ. And I'm like, Battery's not included. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it's like, I was excited to get it. I mean, aside from having, you know, basically access to all the Marvel movies and, you know, all the old, well, not all of the old, but a lot of the old Disney Channel shows, um, and just Disney movies in general. It's like all the old like animated Disney movies. Yeah, all the um, vaulted stuff. Yeah. But it's like I was I was home by myself. I didn't actually have to do do anything except just sit and watch stuff on TV. And I'm flipping through Disney Plus and I'm going through all the old, you know, animated movies. I'm just like Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to watch any of these right now. <laughs> but it's a, it's weird how it was just like the idea of wanting to watch these movies was ex- more exciting than actually sitting and watching them. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Battery's Not Included is actually Disney. It doesn't seem like it is, but I could be wrong. Universal. Universal and Amblin. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my mind, but... Anyway, Scream Queens. <laughs> That's it for horror business. Yay, horror business. Make sure you write Fox if you want Scream Queens or something. Sure. Write them a postcard. Or, you know, like, uh, actually, I mean, you could write Fox. It's more like writing Disney now, though. It's true. It's funny. It's weird because, you know, we were so invested in that because we're kind of film buffs. And I was really invested in it because of the whole Marvel thing. Um, but it's amazing to me how many people didn't know that, that thing that Disney bought Fox. Really? Yeah, because it's like I see people like on Facebook saying it's like why are why is Simpsons on Disney Plus? That doesn't make any sense. It's like well because Disney bought Fox. It's like really? Yeah, it was it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was like the biggest acquisition in history. It's like it it went back and forth for a long time, like. Comcast tried to buy it, and then Disney outbid them. It was a thing. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. That's it for our business. Next up is our film reviews. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about two movies. Um, one was a, an adaptation of a very popular novel and the other was not, <laughs> uh, we've got Dr. Sleep and the girl on the third floor. Um, Taylor, which one are you going to start with? I mean, everyone knows you lead in with your big story, you know, top of the hour, you get, you get the, the big news story. Sure. So you always lead in with what everyone's talking about. <laughs> So, I think we both know the big news, CM Punk coming back to WWE TV. So, 
Let's talk about Girl on the Third Floor. steadfast under trial so how's the house coming along it's been hard cooper certain places have personalities and sometimes they're rotten hey how's the little kicker doing it takes a real strong hand to turn them around again has a history of bringing out the worst in people. Certainly creepy. What the hell is that? Promise me you won't say a word to Liz about last night. You need to get out of here. What was that? What? Hi, handsome. I hate what you've done with the place. I'm worried. Stop! Charlie. Proud owner of what? Fortunate former house of ill repute. You know when a woman doesn't like to be futzed with too much. I don't want to see you here ever again. Houses aren't that different, I guess. <laughs> you want my advice? Get your husband and your baby far away from that house. He's, he's coming back. He is back. After all that hype, he's just like, I'm never fucking going back to WWE. Well, the thing is, he signed on to their like backstage show. So technically, he has a contract with Fox. I see. He does not have a contract with WWE. That's kind of like a one foot in, one foot out thing. Yeah. It hasn't it's stopped. like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> Hasn't stopped everyone from being like, oh, he should wrestle this guy. He should wrestle this guy. And he's like, I don't want to fucking wrestle anybody. I've been saying that for 10 goddamn years. Is he just, I mean, obviously MMA went nowhere. Is he just done? Yeah, by all accounts. Really? Apparently he turned down a lot of money from AEW. Really? Well, maybe you should rethink that. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, he's like 42. Is he really? Yeah. Hmm. So we bring him up because he is the star uh, Phil Brooks, his shoot name, if you will, is is the star of Girl on the Third Floor. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, Only because I don't know who anyone else is. Written and directed by Travis Stevens. Stevens. Uh, this is his directorial debut. I, I also saw a familiar name in the writer's column during the opening <laughs> credits. Yep. I saw that and I was like, oh. Haga. <laughs> Trent Haga. Haga. Uh, so Phil Brooks plays Don Coke, although one person calls him Coke and one person calls him Koch. 
<laughs> I don't know. I've heard, uh, he doesn't correct either of them. Yeah. I used to know a guy who was spelled the same way. It was named uh, Cook. That's that's bizarre. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So he has just moved out of the big city of Chicago. Chicago, bang, bang. A little, uh, little type cash there. <laughs> uh, he's moved into the suburbs. Him and his wife bought this house. It's, it's a bit of a fixer-upper. Uh, he and his wife. What did I say? Him. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so what? I don't English good. Uh, he and his wife bought this house, and it's a bit of a fixer-upper. So he has gone out early to fix her upper. Like a bit of a fixer upper, that is a little a bit of an understatement. This looks almost like the Munster house. <laughs> I mean, other than like a coat of paint, I don't know what's really going to change that. Sure, I mean it's it looks cool. It's a cool old house. Yeah, it's got that kind of. It's uh, not like dilapidated or anything. Uh, I guess that's true. Outside, it doesn't look too bad. It's mostly inside that's all fucked up. Yeah. Anyway. But his wife is pregnant. She's staying back in Chicago. Uh, so Don and the, their dog Cooper go out to this house. Don immediately starts swinging hammers because there's this one spot on the wall that's like black and like bubbling. So he decides, oh, I'm just going to just smash that with a hammer. But first he's like, hey, let me put my hand in there. Yeah. He like <laughs> fingers it. It goes two fingers and then like second knuckle deep and it's like goopy. Three knuckles. One, two. He doesn't go all the way in. It's a letter kitty joke. Never mind. Oh. Um, <laughs> two knuckles. One, two. Because you can't punch anyone with the third one. <laughs> you could. Be awkward. Sure. But yeah, then he just decides to hammer it. And uh, did you say why he's out here? Or why why this is going on? I just said him. he, he and his wife... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're moving out of the city. I didn't specify why. Uh, okay. Should I? I don't know. Is it a spoiler? I don't really think it's necessarily a spoiler. It's Okay, what did you get as his profession? I figured he was either a lawyer or like a stockbroker. Okay, because the synopses I've read said he was a lawyer, but I got the impression he was like a hedge fund manager. Okay. But yeah, apparently he, he defrauded some of his clients... And he uh, he did some bad things and was basically chased out of the city. Which that part, like the whole, like the full reveal, isn't really talked about until much later in the movie. You know, he did something bad. Yeah, and you know, was ultimately ousted from the firm that he worked for, and he's like disgraced now. But you know, he was like some big cheese at whatever company, King Don. Yeah, but he was kind of a legend in the Chicago area. In whatever industry. But yeah, you don't actually find out what happened until later. But even to talk about it, it's not really a, a spoiler. It's just... it's not a huge plot point. No, like, I not... mean, it, it like drives why they're moving, but it's not like... Like, it could have been mentioned in the first scene. Sure. So, this house is... Uh... It's not a spoiler to say what the house is, right? Or used to be? Um... It might be. I don't know. Do you think you can get away with leaving it out? Probably. Let's give that a shot. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, 
but the house is seemingly alive. Uh, there's a lot of like fluids that come out of the house, out of like uh, the the electrical outlets. Yeah, the electrical outlets are leaking spoogums. Yeah, <laughs> there's a pile of spoogum in the in the upstairs bedroom yeah, with like, a used condom in the middle of it. Yeah, and it's like especially when it's oozing out of the outlets. It's like I'm not really sure if that's what it is, but that's it, sure what it looks yeah, like. That's really what it looks like. Um. A lot of the effects in this, like jumping forward, are very like kind of Cronenbergy, very like you know bodily fluids and yeah, yeah, just icky goopness. Um, Don meets the neighbor um, Ellie, who is a, a pastor at the church across the street. Did you know she never goes inside? Yep. Actually, I didn't even catch that till later in the movie when. Uh, she's invited in. She's like, yeah, let's just let's talk out here. I thought it was funny because like the first time she comes to the door, she's got a bottle of bourbon in her hand mm-hmm. and she's just like, eh? And then like they go outside and start drinking and you can see the drug-free tattoos on his knuckles as he's drinking. <laughs> and then like later in the movie, he's taken off his shirt and you can see the straight edge tattoo across his stomach. <laughs> and this is like, the scene before he smokes weed. <laughs> Does he still, is he still about that life? As far as I know. Mm. It's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb to be like 40 something years old and still repping straight edge. <laughs> stupid. Um, Grow the fuck up. Have a beer and move on with your life. I'd have a beer. <laughs> I'd have eight beers. <laughs> Fucking in it to win it. Um, let's see. What else happens here? Um, so yeah, Don goes to the local bar slash bowling alley, meets Gary, the bartender and Gary kind of explains, you know, this, this house has, it has a bad reputation. It's uh, it's, it hasn't been good to people, especially straight men. Mm-hmm. Cause he asked me, he's like, you queer. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell he's like really kind of taken aback by that. It's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, because at first it like comes across as like small town homophobia, mm-hmm. but then you realize that he's asking for a very specific reason, right? Um, so yeah, uh, Don is you know he's fixing up the house. He's staying there every night. He video chats with his wife Liz, who's apparently the his sugar mama. She's paying for all this. Mm-hmm. And she keeps saying, you know, let me hire somebody to come help you. Let me get some contractors. And he's like, nope, I'm going to do this myself. Uh, and then the roof caves in. <laughs> then the roof caves in. Right. Um, in, the, in the master bedroom, he, he's doing something. And he hears just this collapse. And he, like, runs upstairs. And the whole roof is caved in. Uh, he, I don't know. What's that girl's name? Sarah? The neighbor girl? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Is that a is that a spoiler to talk about that? Mm, I don't know. Kind of informs his character, I guess. Yeah, he fucks the neighbor. Yeah, and it's like up to that point, you're like, uh, okay. I mean, clearly Don fucked up, but he seems like a decent guy trying to get his life back together. You know, trying to make up for his wrongs and you know, move on with his life. And then he fucks this blonde girl from somewhere in the neighborhood, and she's like, oh. Don's a piece of shit. Yeah. 
It's the the build up for that is kind of funny though, because he's like fixing the plumbing, and he just starts like banging on this pipe with a sledgehammer, mm-hmm. and it the pipe bursts and just sprays this brown viscous fluid all over him. Yeah. And so he goes out to like wash himself in the the sink outside. And he takes off his shirt, and that's when Yasera's like, mm. Did, see, so I, I mean, I, I didn't really watch him much when he was wrestling or even when he was in MMA. Did he, has he packed on a few pounds? Um, I mean, he was never like really cut. Okay. He always, you know, had that a little bit of an everyman look. Sure. But he does look like he's, he's probably tacked on a, a couple. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. But yeah, she like sees the tattoos and stuff, and she's like, let me get a piece of that. Another thing, if he's a lawyer or like a big time hedge fund manager or something, like you don't see a lot of guys, you know, tatted from neck to navel. Yeah. And it's like, I, okay, sure. Maybe he's got like on his chest and on his arms. That's fine. But he's got like shit on his hands, on his neck. Yeah. And it's like, cover those up so you can at least believe who he is, right? you know? Like, we covered up tattoos in their reach. Like, it can be done. Right. Um, At least like the straight edge one. If you're going to have him smoking weed and drinking bourbon. They cover up his Pepsi tattoo. That was the other thing. He was like sleeping on his side and his big ass Pepsi tattoo hanging out. Oh, I'm okay. like, I wasn't really sure where it was. So I wouldn't. Yeah, it's I on his shoulder for it. Okay. He's, I think he's wearing a tank top when he's sleeping and it's so you can see it. Okay. I'm just like, well, better hope Pepsi doesn't get mad about that. <laughs> um, Or his bouncing souls tattoo. <laughs> Or his Cobra tattoo. Like Stallone? No, like G.I. Joe. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so he then he fucks Sarah. And uh, Sarah just keeps coming back around. And he's like, look, it, it was super hot. It was great. But, you know. You got a stage five clinger? <laughs> yeah. He was like, I'm married. I got a kid on the way. We can't be doing this. Uh, meanwhile, his buddy Milo comes by to help him, you know. Fix the, the Milo, ceiling. Milo. Um, and uh, once Milo gets there, that's when things really kind of start breaking down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Up in you know, when the when the roof caves in, or the ceiling, I should say. Yeah, I guess I was saying roof, but ceiling is more accurate. Yeah, like they noticed that up in the up in the attic, there's what appears to be a viewing area. Yeah, and that's weird. Very weird. Anyway, also every time uh, Don, you know, smashes a hole in the wall or something, every time he does some kind of renovation, marbles will fall from out of nowhere. Right. And, you know, just one marble will like bounce down the stairs and I was getting so irritated with that. I'm like, oh, these fucking marbles better go somewhere. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, it's just a dumb little vehicle that makes no sense. I mean, ultimately, they were unnecessary, but they at least they at least explained them. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how much more I can say without really starting to give stuff away. Yeah, um, like I said, you know, the the house seemingly is reacting to the things that that Don is doing to it, um, either by you know shooting spookums out of the uh, the outlets or by so having these marbles fall out. And like I said, you know, he's you know, trying to clean the pipes and there's this black stuff that sprays all over me. He goes to take a shower and it just spookums all over his face. <laughs> the shower head just bukkakes him. Yeah, he had a pretty much appropriate reaction. The same reaction I would have. <laughs> just like, Aah! 
<laughs> if, even if it wasn't spookums, if my if my shower started shooting out this thick crystal or you know, uh, pearly white um, liquid shit at me, I would scream like I like I like I don't know what this is. I can't I even clean like, it off because it's from my shower. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the place I would go to clean it off is not safe. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, funny, as a homeowner, watching him try to fix these things <laughs> and, you know, them ultimately, ultimately, like, going awry, it's just like, oh, man. I know that feel, bro. <laughs> Well, it's like, especially when he's, like, patching the wall. It's like, I felt so accomplished, because I'd never done any drywall before, but, like, I was trying to replace the pot lights in my kitchen, and um, <laughs> we had just moved in. We'd only been there a couple months, and we thought that two of the lights in our kitchen didn't work. Oh, I remember the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, um, and so, like, I, I was going up to pull the light out of the ceiling and replace it, as you do, um, but the fucking thing wouldn't come out. And so I'm tugging on this light fixture, trying to rip it out of the ceiling. And like, ultimately I fuck up all the drywalls. So like I get the light out eventually. Um, and, but then it's like, okay, well now I've got this, you know, cut out in the drywall that I can't use because it's all fucked up. So I had to cut a big section out of the ceiling and replace it with new drywall. And I felt so accomplished because ultimately when I finished, it looked really nice. And it's like, aside from the, the paint difference, it's like you can't even really tell that I did anything. And, I, you know, I replaced the light right in the same place and everything. Um, but uh, it was a, a pain in the ass. And, like, I was so worried that something like this was going to happen because he replaces it. He patches it. He paints over it. It all looks really nice. And then it comes down, like, with the next morning. And it's all bubbled up yeah. and like soggy looking. It's like, fuck. Anyway, yeah. Uh, home ownership is not for the weak part. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I think, I think the only person you really feel bad for in this entire movie is his wife, and she's barely in it. Yeah. Because, you know, at first, you know, like I was saying, you think Don is like an okay guy. It's like he just, he made, you know, he fucked up and now he's trying to, you know, get some redemption or or whatever. Um, but yeah, he just, he, then he fucks Sarah and it's like, okay, well. when He also, you know, when he's video chatting with his wife at one point, she sees a beer bottle behind him and she's like, you know, what is that? So clearly he has some kind of drinking problem and he's not supposed to be drinking. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, you know, there's just garbage everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I keep going back to when he fucks Sarah. It's like, like I wasn't even. I thought it was maybe like a dream or something, because there was no, there was no point where like, so he's kind of touring around the house, just like talking about all the stuff that he's gonna fix and you know all this thing, these all stuff that needs to be changed. And. uh you know, she she brought a joint with her, so they're just like smoking while they're walking around the house. And they go into the master bedroom, and um, I can't remember. You know, the roof hadn't collapsed yet, but he's like saying, "You know, we're gonna paint over this wall," and blah blah blah. And then you know, she starts making a move on him, 
And there was no, at no point where he was like, oh, no, I can't. And she's like, oh, but you can, or anything like that. <laughs> it's just like, she like made a pass at him, and he was like immediately on it. Like, yep. there was no resistance whatsoever. And so it's like, you're a fucker, dude. And then, like, she leaves, and Cooper's like looking at him, and he's like, what? I earned that. Yeah. It's like, that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, that's when the roof collapses. And it's just like, yeah, man, karma. <laughs> um, the, the underlying message of toxic masculinity is not subtle. No. <laughs> no, it's like he was, um, you know, Don as a character is very, uh, well, not so much machismo, I guess, just very uh, uh, entitled, I guess. Yeah. Like as, as a man. Um. Yeah. So he got he got knocked down a peg or two, for sure. <laughs> um. So the story was kind of weak. Yeah, it, it was really confusing. Yeah, it like it, not a lot happens throughout like the first two acts, where and it just kind of like gives you enough to make you curious, and then like they try and explain things at the end, and you're kind of like. Wait, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Go back a second. Yeah, it's like... So the the titular girl on the third floor, she's this girl that, like, you know, you kind of get, like, pretty much right off the bat that she's some kind of ghost or something. Yeah. Um, but she looks like... She, she looks almost like a rape victim. Like, you know, she looks all dis- disheveled and, you know, her clothes are half off. and um, But something was going on with her head. And, like, I could not figure out like what I was looking at. Well, I mean, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but they say later that she got hit by a, she got run over by a train. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. It doesn't fully like, I don't think that's what her face would look like if she got run over by a train. No, her face would be pretty much. There's like teeth up here on top of her head and stuff. It It, it looked like she had like a head underneath her head and it was like her head was like her face was half open or something. Yeah. It was a weird, weird. It was thing. An, an interesting look. Yeah. Um, There's also not really an explanation why she's there. There's an explanation why Sarah keeps showing up. Yeah. But this girl on the third floor is not really explained. Yeah, she's like, like you know that she was there in the past, and yeah, like she used to live there. But like I said, they said that she was run over by a train, so clearly she didn't didn't die in the house. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who she was or why she was there or what the fuck was going on with her. But um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, so yeah, I mean, it's just like, I feel like maybe the story points were there, but they were like stretched so thin that it was like really hard to tie things together. Um, yeah, and like, I don't know, the the the... The glue that binds was very weak, I think, and just there are all these parts of the story that just didn't really seat together well. It was just like, okay, all that's there, and I'm watching it on screen, but I don't really know how it all relates. It's yeah, it's just kind of something that's happening. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's like you know I wasn't really expecting much from uh, from old Phil, but he did all right. Like yeah, would, I thought he, he did rather well. He wasn't going to win an uh, win an award or anything, but no, um, for a guy who I think this is probably his first acting role. I believe so. Yeah, he's, he did all right, um, and you know everybody else was fine. Uh, Sarah was a little over the top, but um, 
the thing about it that I that I really liked and was impressed with was the um, the cinematography and just kind of the filming style. It reminded me a lot of like um, kind of like a Hitchcock, almost like maybe Polanski uh, look to it. Um, a lot of use of mirrors and yeah. reflections. Um, so I, I appreciated the artistic value of it. Um, it seemed like that kind of dropped off when shit started going sideways. Um, and maybe just, maybe the story didn't really play well to it or something, but I don't know. But when it was happening, it, it, it looked really nice. I got a lot of Raimi from it. Um, I actually, I got a very strong evil dead feeling from it. Like almost like the, uh, what was his name? Travis Stevens. Yeah. Like he was like, I want to make my own evil dead. And just instead of it, a cabin, it's going to be this fixer upper house. Sure. Cause like, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens to Don, like the, you know, spook him spraying all over him and stuff like that's that dark comedy that kind of you know evil dead had and brooks you know he's no no bruce campbell but uh he uh you know he had that like just a little bit of hamminess before bruce went like full bruce Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i could see that i hadn't really thought of it but now you mention it um yeah and uh, i mean obviously the the director has his Input, but I wonder how much of it was the director versus the cinematographer as far as like style. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, as far as Brooks is acting, a lot of guys, you know, wrestling, a big part of it is acting. You know, you have to develop a character and you have to, you know, say, especially in WWE, you have to say lines and yeah. all this stuff. And a lot of guys, you know, you can watch them and you can tell they have that natural charisma. Guys like The Rock, you know. Right. And and CM Punk was always one of those guys that just had that natural charisma. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not surprised to see him moving over into acting. Fair enough. He was, it was weird. I, I I texted you about this as I was watching it. The first glimpse of him on screen, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> He's like clean cut. He's like I've never seen him clean shaven. Oh really? Yeah. And you know he had this like sh- really short, you know uh, you know high fade haircut with you know parted to the Slicked side. Back, yeah. And it's like. In like a button down and slacks. Yeah. I'm just like, who the fuck is this? But And then, you know, like I said, I never really watched him as a wrestler. So his face wasn't like, you know, really clear in my my head. Mm. So it's like even just to see his face, it didn't really register with me at first. But I'm like, oh, shit, that's him. Because I had to picture him with longer hair and a beard, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was weird because it didn't look like him at all. I know he's in the the Sasuke's Rabbit remake. That's right, he is. His wife, too. His wife was in this, too, wasn't he? I don't think so. AJ Lee? Oh, I saw somebody with the last name Brooks. I kind of assumed that... Oh, no, that's the girl that plays Sarah. I don't think they're related. Oh. Okay. Well, then. Yeah. Um, Okay. Anyway. I thought it was pretty good. It's all right. I I definitely uh, didn't expect much from it. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the practical effects, though. Those were, yeah, I appreciated those. Um, yeah, I guess all in all, this movie had quite a few things going for it. I think where where the big downfall was was just the really disjointed story. Yeah, it like couldn't keep one narrative going at at the same time, or you know, throughout the entire movie, it just. 
it's like it wanted to do you know three things at once, and it's just there's too much there's too much shit going on where you couldn't follow a certain thread, you know. Yeah. And then like the very end just kind of like happens so fast that you're just like, wait, what just happened? Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If this is one I'll necessarily go back to, but it's all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I might watch it again. Not anytime soon, but sure. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm gonna give it a seven. All right. Um, I'll give it a, a six, I think. <clears throat> All right. So next up is the uh, brand new adaptation by our brand new adaptation of Stephen King's novel, Dr. Sleep directed by Mike Flanagan. So uh, let's. When I was a kid, there was a place, a dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there. They come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. I'm running away from myself, I guess. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils. They'll eat watch hands. And they noticed that little girl. Wow. Hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. Where are we going? There's a place. I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come play with us forever and ever. All right, so... Doctor Sleep, like I said, brand new. It's at this point still in theaters. Don't know how much longer that's going to last, though. <laughs> yeah, it did not do well at the box office. No, it just came out uh, what less than two weeks ago, and so I mean, I think this is probably a general rule of thumb in most theaters, but at least the one that I usually go to in in my my hometown is that 
you know, you have the big auditorium for like the big blockbusters, you know, like the Marvel movies and, you know, the shit that is going to rake in a lot of money. Um, and then, you know, like the independent films or the ones that are kind of like at the tail end of their um, theater life or the ones that are just not doing well. You have the smaller theaters that have like, I don't know, like maybe 50 seats in them. <laughs> and this movie came out less than two weeks ago and it was already in the small theater. So I'm just like, fuck, man. And, you know, it was really disappointing to see because they, they pretty much announced the uh, weekend box office totals kind of like Sunday afternoon. And to see how poorly this one did was just shocking. Um, even before I saw it, I, I couldn't believe how badly it did. Uh, like, I don't think it even made its uh, its budget back. I mean, as of this recording, it's made just over $25 million. Fuck. That's, that's bad. <sighs> I mean, like, number one at the box office is Ford versus Ferrari, and that's only at $31 million. So it's, Well, it's only been out a weekend. <laughs> oh. Well, Midway is at $35 million. That came out the same weekend. What's Midway? Uh, World, World War II. Battle of Midway. I can't place it. Is there anybody of note in it? Uh, I th- oh, is that the one with uh, like Patrick Wilson and Woody Harrelson? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Well, you know, people are suckers for uh, for war movies. <clears throat> anyway, but yeah, so this is a brand new movie uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, who we have become very big fans of. Yeah. Uh, he is... He hasn't really done anything that we haven't liked. Like I don't, I don't think. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Haunting of Hill House was kind of hit and miss. I still haven't watched it. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like Oculus, but we did. Yeah, I mean, that was his. Was, I don't think that was his first film. I think it's his first of note. Sure. Um, but I mean, yeah, fucking Hush and. Uh, Gerald's Game. That's um, right. I forgot he did Gerald's Game. And yeah, so this is his second Stephen King adaptation. And you know that that kind of goes back to our tangent about Hollywood that we were went on earlier. That like, there's all these Stephen King adaptations coming out. Not to take anything away from Stephen King, mm-hmm. but they're not coming out because people are like, "Oh, this is a really good book." Yeah, they're coming out because Stephen King's name sells. Yep. Especially because it did so well. Yeah. It spawned all of this. Um. Anyway, but yeah, so this was a uh, originally Stephen King novel, um, and probably most famously known as the sequel to The Shining. Um, you know, this uh, started off as uh, I believe Stephen King, um, like on Twitter or something, kind of put it to his fans. Uh, not really like he he wanted an opinion on what he should write next. Um, and I forget what the other option was. He's like, or, um, I want to write a sequel to The Shining. Weren't they both sequels? I feel like they were both sequels. I don't remember. I I mean, this was years ago. I first read this. Um, and, uh, anyway, so ultimately he, he wrote the uh, sequel to The Shining. Um, and, uh. Pretty good cast in this. I mean, you had um, 
Uh, Ewan McGregor playing Danny Torrance. It was Doctor Sleep or the next Dark Tower. That's right. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So this movie tells the story of Danny Torrance uh, post The Shining. Um, it picks up, and I'm, I'm going to try and do my best to not do what I usually do and just spend so much time comparing this to the book. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try. Uh, so it, it picks up, um, I think, I can't remember in the book how, how long afterwards it was, but it, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess maybe like a year after the, the events of the Overlook. Um, and something that is not immediately obvious, but you kind of pick up on fairly quickly is that this is actually a sequel to Kubrick's film and not necessarily the book. Um, I mean, there are a lot of similarities, but if you've read the book or if you, if you've read the shining and seen the movie, you know that they're pretty, some, some stark differences. Um, but it's, it's pretty obvious this is actually a sequel to the film. So you kind of have to have that in, in, in your mind. Um, which I think is actually makes this more accessible to a lot of people. Um, in that, a lot of people haven't read the book, but a lot of people have seen the, the movie. Yeah. So you know, you, if you've seen if you've seen The Shining, you kind of know these characters and kind of what happened to them in the movie, and you can kind of continue along with that um, that narrative. So, um, basically, Danny, um, he's still a child at this point. He's having um, nightmares um, of basically all the ghosts at the Overlook. Um, and he's, he's picturing them haunting him in his home um, and, you know, attacking him. And so he, he is, they live in, they've moved to Florida, if I remember right. They moved to Florida and they're just kind of trying to live out their lives and forget what happened. Um, they moved is, to Florida because they never wanted to see snow again. Right. Um and so you see Danny, he's sitting on a, on a bench by the water, and you, you notice that um, Dick Halloran... Big Dick Halloran. ...is sitting next to him. Um, and I have to comment on how well they cast people to play characters from the Kubrick film. Totally. Like, um, you know... Jack Nicholson and um, and Shelley Duvall are still alive, but Scatman Crothers is dead. Um, but they, I can't remember the actor's name. Carl Lumbly. Right. Um, who, if you saw him, you'd know him. Uh, most recently, I've seen him on Supergirl. Um, but anyway, he plays, like, to, to look at him, he looks nothing like Scatman Crothers, but the way they have him dressed up, you know, his head shaved, and he's just like, Wow, he looks so much like him. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but he's sitting there talking to Danny. He's like, you know, you can't let these, you can't let the, let them into you. You know, you can't let them control your life. Um, and he, he says, you know, your mom needs you. you. You need to be strong for her and strong for yourself. He's like, I'm going to teach you a little trick here. And he hands him this little box. You know, it's got a, it's a simple box with a key. Um, and, he says, what I want you to do is hold this box, feel it, 
look, understand the inside, open it up, smell the inside of the box so you know what it smells like, see if it has a smell, um, and know every inch of this box. And Danny says, well, why? He's like, because I want you to recreate that in your mind. And every time one of those old, you know, I forget exactly what he says, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but every time one of those old ghosts shows up and you think they're trying to hurt you, what you're going to do is you're going to lock them up in that box in your mind and close them up tight and knot them out and they'll never bother you again. And he's like, and you know, every time you, every time this happens, you're going to create a new box and you're just going to keep putting them away. Um, and so, uh, you, um, yeah, so, so that's when we hear Wendy calling for him. Uh, Wendy's been played by uh, Alex Esso who, from Starry Eyes, mm-hmm. who, goddamn, I mean, she's well, like when they cast her, I was like, really, yeah. But then, like seeing her with the black hair and everything, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, she to to look at her, she looks nothing like Shelley Duvall. I mean, aside from the fact she's like a million miles prettier, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, exactly the way they had her, you know, you know, costuming or her hair. Um, she looked like a, almost like a spitting image of her. It was yeah. weird. Um, and she she was doing like a Shelly like a Shelly Duvall voice too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and that's when we realized that it's like, oh yeah, Dick is dead, <laughs> right? And that that's kind of where the the diff the, for me at least having not know really knowing what this was based on if it was going to be a sequel to the book or the movie. That's when I knew was that. Dick was actually a ghost because Dick survives in, in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and so he actually does have a short role at the beginning of, of Dr. Sleep. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know if he w- was actually alive or dead, but this is when you know, okay, well, he's, he's a ghost. Danny's, you know, seeing him, you know, through, through the, through the shining, um, and, uh, yeah, and so, I mean, that kind of establishes where Danny is in his frame of mind, um, and we jump ahead in time, and we have to assume he's probably in his early to mid-30s somewhere, um, and he has really kind of fallen off the deep end, um, you know, if you've if you've read the book, you know that Wendy's died, so he's kind of on his own. Um, and the shining has really started to affect him. It's thirty one years later. So So he's probably he's gotta be in his like current, mid to, mid to late thirties. Current day is thirty? Or two the it the beginning of the movie is nineteen eighty, then it jumps to two thousand eleven. Okay. So he's six. So he'd been would have been thirty seven. Okay, so late thirties then. Um, I'm 37. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, he's, he's had a rough go of it. Um, it's not really expressly said in the movie, but basically the shining has really affected him. He can't keep these ghosts from the, from the outlook under control. So he's really started muting them with booze and drugs. Um, and his life has just kind of fallen apart. He's become homeless He's, you know, just kind of a, a, bar, a bar rat. He's been hopping around, you know, with other bar rats 
Um, and, uh, yeah, his, his life is just kind of falling apart. Elsewhere in uh, New Hampshire, and this is actually New Jersey where he lives now. Um, so elsewhere in New Hampshire, um, we see a little girl named Abra Stone. Um, and she, I guess the first scene we see her is her birthday party, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's her birthday party. There's a magician there and the magician is like, you know, doing tricks, like makes a money appear in his hat. And, you know, Abra's like, ah, oh, magic, magic. Ah, I, can, I can do that too. I can do that. And, um, then he starts making spoons appear. And, you know, he makes a spoon stick on his nose and he has, like, spoons, like, dangling from his fingers or something like that. He's fucking around spoons. <laughs> and Abra's like, I can do that, too. And the magician's like, yeah, that, that's great, little girl. Um, later on in the day, um, we see Abra's parents in the kitchen. Jocelyn Donahue. Right. <laughs> um, and... From House of the Devil. Right. And he, um, or Abra's dad brings the cake into the kitchen and his, his, her mom is just like, hey, you need to, need to look. <laughs> and they look up and all of these, sp- or we see all the, the silverware scattered all over the floor, but then they look up and all these spoons are floating on the ceiling. Like, it, like you could think like maybe they're stuck in the ceiling, but they're not. They're floating there. And, um, Abra says, hey, look, magic. Abracadabra. Yeah. And when she realizes that they're not really amused and more terrified, that's when all the foon... The foons. Spoons. It's like a spork, but different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's primarily a fork rather than a spoon. (laughs) Right. It's like a spork with deeper... So, so, forks. So it's kind of like a fork, except it's more of <laughs> but a But it's spoon. like a scoop. It's it's almost entirely useless as a spoon. <laughs> um and it's not good for soup. It's not. It's terrible for soup. Unless it's got like stuff in it, then you can like stab it. Then it's like a strainer though. Yeah, then you got to you got to drink the broth. <laughs> Think we could sell these? <laughs> We've been talking about foons for like two minutes. What's wrong with us? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, we jump ahead uh, eight more years. Or sorry, um, no, not quite yet. Uh, yeah, we got to meet uh, Rose the Hat first. Yes. So in, God, where was this? This is Florida, right? I believe so. Florida, we see this girl. I Was her name Daisy? Uh, I think so. It was a flower, so Daisy or Lily or it's not on here. Some other fucking thing. Um, I think it was Daisy because that was what she pulled out, right? It was Daisy's? Wasn't that the flower that she pulled out of her hat? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a girl. She's on a camping trip with her parents, and she kind of wanders off as children are known to do, and they um, or she wanders towards the water, and she sees. This woman sitting there wearing a, uh, a a top hat of sorts, singing a song and, you know, playing around with flowers. And, you know, she introduces herself as Rose or Rose the Hat, as her friends call her. And she says, uh, you know, you, 
you're 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 special, aren't you? You know, you have you have abilities that or she didn't say abilities, but you know, you you can do magic or or something to that effect. And um you see off in the woods that these people are one by one just suddenly appearing. She's like, Oh, those are just my friends, don't worry about them. Um and they all kind of like converge on this little girl. And you don't see what happens, but you kind of assume that she's at the very least kidnapped. Um, then uh, we jump back to Danny, who is, he, he's basically hit rock bottom. Like he's realized what a, what a shit pile his life has become. He wakes up, you know, sleeping under a bridge somewhere on the turnpike, I assume. Um, and he, um, just up and tries to get his, you know, he's decides he's going to kind of pull himself up by his bootstraps and try and get things going again. So he hops on a bus and winds up in New Hampshire in a, um, God, I forget the name of the town. Teeny town. No, the town, the fucking town, man. I don't know. It's not on there. Man, this is a really shitty summary. Anyway. New Hampshireville. Yeah, it's a small town in New Hampshire. Um, New Hampshire City. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, it's not the same town that Abra lives in, but you know, you're immediately kind of like, oh, what are the odds that he ends up in the same state as Abra? Um, and she, uh, so <clears throat> he almost immediately meets Billy. Uh, played by Cliff Curtis, uh, and he offers him a job, sets him up with an apartment in the same boarding house that he lives in. Um, and so things just kind of like start getting a jump start. Um, he works at, um, or he starts going to an AA, meet, oh, AA meetings with him, um, and uh, that's when he meets, I forget it. The doctor's name. Um, oh, uh, Dr. John Dalton. Um, he's played by Bruce Greenwood, who is obviously a uh, familiar face if you've seen Gerald Game. So yeah. must, must be a uh, uh, Flanagan favorite or something. Um, he offer, He goes to... He's kind of the AA leader, and um, he introduces himself, and that's when Danny gets a flash from The Shining because he realizes the doctor's, you know, feeling his wrist. He's clearly got his got his watch missing, and Danny flashes and says, "Hey, you know, you left your um, you left your watch on the sink at the hospital while you were worried about this little girl with this certain disease." And he's just like, how did how did you know that? He's just 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 look, and um, that kind of inspires him to kind of give him a, a shot because he thinks he's trustworthy or something. But he says, you know, gives him a job as an orderly, working at this hospice, um, and so things just kind of start going right for him for for once in his life. Everything starts picking up, and then we we jump ahead eight years to you know 2019. Um, you know, Danny's eight years sober. He still worked at the hospice. He has become known, and this was kind of glossed over. It was a bigger deal in the book, but it's kind of glossed over in the movie that 
he has become known at this hospice as Dr. Sleep because while he is just an orderly, um, there's a cat in the hospice who can basically detect. And this is where you start thinking that maybe animals have the shining too. Um, and this, there's another thing they, they kind of left out. Like there's so much stuff, so much stuff they left out of the movie. The um, movie's two and a half hours long. Like, I they couldn't have put much well, more. Well, I know, that. I know, I know. And like I'm trying to, like sitting there in the theater watching this, like I'm trying to watch this as somebody who's never read the book. Um, and uh, anyway, so there's a cat in the hospice. It just doesn't really belong to anyone. Just kind of a, a cat that that lives there. Was his name Assy? I don't really remember. I swear he kept calling the cat Assy. Like, that was a terrible name. <laughs> That's like there's a guy down the hall and he just got a new dog and we were in the elevator. And then was like, what's this guy's name? And we both heard him say, Anus. <laughs> and it was like they left and I looked at I looked at my girlfriend and I go, Angus? She goes, Amos? <laughs> and we're both just like, we heard Anus, right? <laughs> Maybe it is Anus. <laughs> Maybe. Um, anyway, so this cat can sense when somebody is about to die. Um, so Danny will follow, or he goes by Dan now. Um, he'll follow the cat into this person's room and he's kind of developed his own, um, legacy at this point where people know that if he's come to visit that it's their time, but he uses his shining ability to kind of reach into these people's memories and put them at ease you know talking talking about good memories you know you know people that they that may have already passed on that they're going to going to see again and it's, you know things like that just really put them at ease and basically put make them you know ease them into to sleep um and uh yeah and so back in again in new hampshire or in you know with abra She's obviously grown up uh, quite a bit, um, and she's really starting to absorb her, like what what was going on with her, that she has this ability that she doesn't quite understand, but she's learning to use it. Um, And she's become pen pals of sorts with Dan um, in that she writes on this blackboard wall in his apartment. Like she'll psychically make words appear on this blackboard and he'll communicate back with her. He'll actually write with chalk and she'll receive those messages back from her. And he doesn't know who she is. Um, but, uh, they've, they've been communicating for years at this point. Um, and you, you discover that Abra, while Danny may have been like the most powerful, he may have had the most powerful shine that Halloran had ever seen. Abra like excels beyond that by like, leaps and bounds. She is probably the most powerful shine that sh- that anybody has ever seen. Um, and this kind of resonates out throughout the, the, the world with everybody that has any kind of semblance of shining, um, including the group that Rose the Hat belongs to is the True Knot, which we discover are sort of vampires in a way in that they feed off of people with the shine.
And so while... I mean, they, they basically steal their shine. Like, they have this steam inside them. Yes. And that, yeah, that's kind of a, the representation of, of the shine. The, their, their essence is, yeah, they, they're, it's released through pain and fear. Um, and it makes it a little more juicy for them. <laughs> um, similar to Pennywise. Pennywise. Um, and God. So they, um, while they're in the middle of killing a young boy, a young, young boy, boy in Iowa <clears throat> and stealing his shine, which was a really rough scene. Yeah, it was. Man. <laughs> like, I, like, I didn't expect like uh, a studio film, you know, re- released on a you know, worldwide basis to kind of go there, I guess. Yeah, that were, was uncomfortable. I mean, th- that happens in the book. I mean, that's that's a scene from the book. And it's just like, you know, you expect that from Stephen King. But for that to actually be represented in, you know, what is... In a, such a graphic form. Yeah. And like, if it was more of an independent film, I would expect it more. But from something that's with this, you know, high of a... Not notoriety, but um, high-profile film, that was kind of unexpected. Um, anyway, but... So while they're killing this boy and stealing his steam, Abra feels it and feels the pain that he's feeling. <clears throat> and because she is so powerful that um, both Danny and Rose sense her. Like, Rose feels her out, out there somewhere. Like, sees her, like, kind of view. Sorry. Somewhere <laughs> out there. Yeah, you know, like, five goes west. the same thing. the pale moonlight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Abra kind of goes to the source. And, you know, the only person that she can think of to help her is Dan. So she actually travels to his town using some kind of like shining GPS basically <laughs> um to, to track him down. And um that's what GPS stands for. It's global positioning shining. Sure. Yeah that tracks. <laughs> um and so ba- basically from there they um are just trying to Stay one step ahead of the true knot, um, along with trying to stop them at the same time because they know that they're going to go around and keep killing people with the shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, the true knot has its own kind of inner turmoil, and that you know, we we know that they are not immortals, and that's pretty clearly mentioned at one point. Um, but the steam gives them the ability to live a long time. Live long, yeah. Uh, we get the impression that some of them are centuries old. Um, like Grandpa Fleck. Yeah. Played by Carl Striken. Yeah. So another... Another Gerald's game. Yep. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean... The two kind of higher ups in the true knot is Rose 
who is kind of uh, you know seconded by uh, uh, Crow Daddy, who's her boyfriend, <laughs> lover, lover in the nighttime, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, at first Danny's he's he doesn't really use his shining except for you know his his duties at the hospice. Aside from that, he tries to stay away from it because he knows it's trouble. Um, and he fears it a little bit, rightfully so, after what he's been through. Um, and But Abra, she kind of feels like a sense of duty that... <laughs> <laughs> duty. <laughs> um, to help people and, and stop the true knot, um, even though they don't really know who, sh- who they are. Um, and that's kind of a whole thing. It's like an almost kind of cat and mouse game played through these, you know, psychic links. Um, anyway, that's kind of the basis of the story. I don't really want to spoil it. Um, yeah. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, I am so <clears throat> hesitant to see not hesitant, but um, very skeptical every time I walk into a Stephen King adaptation because I know that historically they have been total fucking balls. <laughs> and, you know, it was really good, aside from its deviations from its from the story. It, too, was not as good, but still held its own. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Gerald's game was actually a pretty good representation of the book. Um I'd say like 90% of Stephen King adaptations are garbage. <laughs> um, I mean, there are some that, that kind of stand the test of time to an extent. I mean, like Cujo, um, you know, Salem's Lot to an extent, The Shining. Um, there are ones out there that, that, do, that do well, that are watchable, but most of them are just total fucking garbage. Um, and... This one, like, so I was skeptical at this one, despite my faith in Flanagan and, you know, a pretty good cast. Um, I was really hesitant to watch, not to watch it, but I was worried. I was worried because I really liked Dr. Sleep, the book, and I really didn't want them to fuck this up. Yeah. Um, but no, they did a really fucking good job. And that's when I, you know, I saw a lot of people saying how good it was. And then I saw the box office. And I was like, what the fuck went wrong? And then I saw it for myself. I'm like, what the fuck went wrong? Yeah, I don't know if it wasn't marketed well enough or... You know, it's... I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. It really seemed like it was. I thought so. But maybe that's just the circles we run in. What I liked about it as someone that hasn't read the book, and, you know, I'm just using it as a sequel to Kubrick's movie, it, like, the, the story is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the style wise, yeah, like the whole vampires and stuff that's not in the original. Um, yeah, but like tonally, everything is very, very on par with mm-hmm. with Kubrick's movie, and they use a lot of the same shots. Um, you know, they they do go back to the Overlook, and there's you know like the drone shots of the car driving, and a lot of the the same styles soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. I mean, too. it was, is a is a re a re a new version of the same song, 
but it was the same song. Was, yeah. Was, and they also like redid a lot of the iconic scenes with the new actors, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't take you out of it if they, you know, if they just show you the scene with Shelley Duvall, and then you're just like, well, that's clearly not the same person, right? But they redid the scene with Alex Esso. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling my girlfriend, like, imagine being the guy who has to play Jack Torrance, oh, like who has to play Jack Nicholson playing Jack Torrance. Yeah, that had to be intimidating as fuck. I don't even know who that guy was, but fuck if he didn't look exactly like he looked. He looked pretty good. Yeah. Um. And uh, and I, I I love the part where I don't think this is giving any, anything away, but like Dan is running through the halls of the Overlook and he's limping. Mm-hmm. Like it's just little things like that. That's just you know if, if you know The Shining, then you understand. Yeah. Um. There. Uh, you know. So I'll say this. The third act of the movie is completely different than the book. Oh, really? When they go to the Overlook? Yeah, completely different. Do you know if this was filmed at the Timberline? I don't... I mean, the original wasn't, so I doubt it. It wasn't? No, they used exteriors, but the inside was something that was completely set. Because Kubrick wouldn't leave the UK, so they built a hotel. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, um, but that's something that I was like... I mean, the movie aside, the sets were amazing. Yeah. The attention to detail, like, it was unbelievable. Like, I can remember before this came out, watching a side-by-side of the part where, where Danny's riding the, the big wheel through the halls, watching a side-by-side of the original Shining and Dr. Sleep, and just being blown away by how similar they were. Really? Yeah. Even it's, like like the ways his wheel would like go back and forth and stuff, or like well, yeah, I mean, just uh, not not just the pacing because I think even like the camera pacing was almost exactly the same, but the sets, yeah, the way they recreated those original Overlook sets was just awesome. Also, the woman in the bathtub looks exactly the same, mm-hmm. like dead nuts, just. Absolutely the same. Yeah, um, it was like I, I was. It was unbelievable. I, I couldn't. Like, like the the they got like the same like wall dressings. Like you know, because the the original Overlook was decorated in kind of like a Native American right look or style, um, and you know, so in that fashion, they had like a lot of rugs, like you know, uh, macrame rugs hanging on the walls. It's like. Like I couldn't tell you if they're exact same pattern, exact same color, but that attention to detail to where like, yeah, that spot in this entryway had a rug hanging on the wall. And, you know, this spot had, you know, a, a credenza with a flower pot on top of it. Just like that is amazing. Like the person who the the art director must have watched the shining a thousand yeah. times. It was I was so impressed like that that was my biggest takeaway and that sounds minor like (laughs) on the scope of a film but like that was like i would see that i would see this again just for that (laughs) um anyway uh but so this was a very condensed version of the book as you'd expect because the book is very long yeah um 
But, uh, you know, I, like I said, I tried to kind of watch it with the eyes of somebody who never read the book. And I think if I could, if I could put myself outside of the fact that I've read the book, I think this was a very good representation of the story. It seemed to me like it was just like it was moving along a little too quickly. It was like skipping over parts. But it's like, I guess in the context of a film, it's not really important. So yeah. like it, it, it hit those important parts. Um, there were some changes to the characters themselves that I won't really go into. Well, eh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not under, under any obligation to not spoil the book. So in the book, you actually find out that um, Abra is Dan's niece because you find out that, uh, that Jack was fucking around on Wendy and knocked up had another family. Yeah, knocked up Abra's mom's wife, or uh, Abra's mom. Abra's mom. Sorry, <laughs> Abra's mom's wife. Um, or, apparently, sorry, Abra's Abra, mom had Abra's a whole grandma. other family too. Abra's grandma. So basically, Abra's mom is Dan's half sister, which is why they have they both have the shining. And there's something that they kind of explored in the in the book that I wish they would have done in the movie because I feel like it would have made the movie more fruitful. Is that it kind of explores the idea that Jack probably had The Shining too. See, I thought about that as I was watching this. Because like Jack, you know, seeing the ghosts. And so my mind was like, did Jack have The Shining? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that they, they directly discussed that in the book. Mm. And I really wish they would have done that in the movie. And, but they completely erased that part. I mean, she calls him Uncle Dan. Right. Um but more as like kind of a friendly thing rather than actually being her uncle. Well, yeah, it's, it's like to keep appearances initially mm-hmm. because it, a grown man hanging out with a 12-year-old girl is just weird. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, Ab- Abra wasn't black in, in the book, um, which... In the context of this of the movie, it was kind of irrelevant. Yeah, it doesn't really make a difference either way. Um, in you know, in the book, her grandma, her her great grandma is like Italian, so it's like like that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. But no, I, I was very impressed with this. Uh, they it stayed very true to the um, to the story. It uh, and it stayed true to the original Shining movie or fi- you know, film uh, as well. And you know, I I had a feeling that this was going to be. If I had a feeling it was going to be a good sign, even though I take Stephen King's opinions kind of <laughs> with a grain of salt. When he said, as as much as he hates Kubrick's film, when he said that he feels that Doctor Sleep fixes. Kubrick's film. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, that's that's saying something. Um, and uh, I really think it does because I'll, I'll 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 talk to you about this more off mic. I don't want to spoil. I, I I think in spoiling the ending of the book, I'd be spoiling the ending of the movie. Sure. Um, even though they are different. Um. But uh, no, great acting. Um. I, I was not really on board with Ewan McGregor playing Dan because it's not what I really had. I remember in when my he head. was first cast, you were very upset about it. Yeah, 
I just it's not the image of Dan I had in my head. Yeah. I was I, somebody I had really picked out uh to play him was uh Bradley Cooper. I knew it. I fucking knew you were going to say Bradley Cooper. I just that that's <laughs> when I was reading the book, that's who I had in my head for some reason. Cuz he's always in your head. Uh, we'll talk about it. Another time. <laughs> <laughs> um but um yeah, and I had uh, Famke Jansen picked out. Actually, if Famke Jansen was about uh, ten years younger, I would have had her pegged for um, Rose the Hat. Oh yeah, because that's that's the character I had in my head. Hmm. I when they cast uh, was it Rose Fer- No, not Rose. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. I was just like, what? <laughs> um, but she did pretty good. She was great. Um, yeah. So. I, I really like Dr. Sleep, the book. And so for this to be such a good representation of the book um, put on screen and also a, a faithful sequel to the, to Kubrick's film, I, I'm very happy with I it. I saw Flanagan said he also like wanted to have aspects of the uh, TV movie in it. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it. Me neither. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I saw that too. I'm just like, I don't really see that. I didn't get any Wings references. <laughs> um, the bartender's name was Lloyd. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you have anything to add? I don't think so. It was, it was really good. You know, like I said, I haven't read the book, so I'm not comparing, but I am, you know, treating it as a sequel to... The Shining, and it's you know it's it's I'm not going to say it's as good as The Shining because <clears throat> The Shining is an absolute classic, no matter what Stephen King says. Um, but it's it's definitely a, a worthy follow up. Yeah, yeah. It um, it definitely pays respect to Kubrick's style, mm-hmm. but it was it was definitely something on its own. Yeah, like it it, it wasn't trying to copy Kubrick, right? Like I said, it, it had those you know moments where it was the same shot and the same soundtrack and stuff, but it, overall the movie is its own thing. Right. Um, yeah, very happy with it. This might be one that I actually pick up when it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, but uh, I would like to watch them both, maybe not back to back, but like The Shining one day and Doctor Sleep the next day or something. That'd be a good double feature to get that whole you know the the whole feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I feel comfortable giving this a nine. See, I give The Shining a nine, so I feel like I can't give it a nine. Why not? Because <laughs> I just said it's not as good as The Shining. Did you give Hatchet a nine? I don't. I think you gave Hatchet a nine. Didn't we? I thought we both gave Hatchet a nine. We might have. All right, fine. Fuck it, nine. I mean, I'm not trying to talk you into it. Just... But you are. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah, guys. Uh, if you can catch Dr. Sleep before it leaves theaters, I would highly recommend it. Do it. It's definitely worth at Get least Get those a box minute. office numbers up. Yeah. It's definitely... They were going to make a spinoff movie. Did you hear about that? No. They were going to make a spinoff of, of Dick Halloran. It was apparently just going to be called Halloran. But since it tanked at the box office, they're not doing it now. Oh, that's a, kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm not heartbroken about it, I guess, but um, I mean, because you know, Halloran, he actually has—he's got quite a quite a legacy himself. Yeah, like not just The Shining, 
but he was also in it too. That's right. Yeah. Um, not the movie, but he did have a in in the book. He was represented in it. Um, it was funny in the in it when they because you know who he is, and they always talk like in the the when they're talking about him, it's like oh, it's almost like Dick had a or it's almost like Halloran had a sixth sense. It's like they never really expressly say you know talk about his shining. It's like, oh, it always seemed like Dick had a sixth sense because he could always see things coming. But anyway, um, cool. Yeah, check out Dr. Sleep. Um, at least catch it on a matinee. It's definitely worth the, what, five, six, seven bucks that you might pay for a matinee. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Um, we're going to be back here in a couple weeks uh, with two new reviews. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about The Shed and Ready or Not. Finally. Finally. Um, yeah. I wanted to find a movie called Here I Come. So it could be ready or not, Here I Come. Uh, like Lauren Hill. Yep. <laughs> That's the Fugees. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, she was in that. She's a, she was the Fugees. <laughs> she, she was one of the Fugees. <laughs> she was a Fuji. <laughs> All right. Sorry, um, not to discount Wyclef Jean or anything. All right, so yeah. I'll be gone until November. I'll oh, be gone until Okay, okay. <laughs> so look for that in a couple weeks, guys. Until then, Taylor, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. If you want to contribute to the show monetarily in exchange for exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. And don't forget to check out graveplotfilmfest.com. Get your tickets. Join us for an afternoon of short horror films from around the globe, February 1st, 2020. Yes, sir. Okay, guys. We will talk to you next time. Until then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Graveplot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>